Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. Massive week in basketball. Unfortunately, not, not not all great news in the basketball world, so we'll get to that shortly. But first of all, I'm your co-host Chris Pike. But Sean Reddidge, the man that you're all here to, to hear from, it's been a big week for him. He's been over taking a Reddidge basketball tour, which 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 turned out to be a great success and a lot of fun. So we'll hear more about that shortly. But plenty to talk about in the NBL world before we get to all of that. So Sean, thanks for joining me once again. Thanks, Pocky. Good to be back in Perth and uh, yeah, excited about this episode. Yeah, unfortunately, it, I think we just have to start with the news about Kobe Bryant. It's it's hard to imagine anything else springing to mind. First of all, it was it was obviously a devastating accident that happened that took 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 his life and it took the life of his 13 year old daughter Gianna and and the rest of the people on board that helicopter as well. Um, do you remember what was your reaction when you first heard the news? I know that. When I first woke up to the news, it was just something that you found it hard to believe was actually actually real. Well, yeah, I think that was your first reaction, just thinking, no way that just happened. Um, you know, I was I was over in in Bendigo and uh, woke up to uh, alert that uh, yeah, that with the with the horrible news and you know you just look at Kobe Bryant and you know he's just an icon of the sport and and what he was able to uh to accomplish and uh and then you you know you you start researching a little bit and you learn a little bit more about what happened and the fact that his daughter was on board and and a few of his daughter's teammates and 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 acquaintances and friends and it's just a uh just a horrible, horrible accident and tragedy that uh, it affected so many people worldwide. I'm still, still in disbelief and and almost, you know, I think that's the, the power that sport has. And and you look up to these these heroes of yours, and you grow up and you see them knocking down game winning shots, and it's almost they're larger than life. And uh, one tragic thing like this, I mean, Kobe Bryant, 41. Mm four daughters at home just look like he was you know sometimes when you finish sport you don't always see those athletes really enjoying and 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 thriving in that next chapter of your life but he was he just looked like he he had a, a mission to be even greater in his kind of second chapter after basketball and was doing some fantastic things and and all the stories that are coming out about him and just the the legacy he's going to leave but for me as a father it just it just breaks you that uh you know he he's going to have three daughters that without no longer have their dad around so mm. um from a multiple levels it's uh it, it's incredibly sad and you know i had a fortunate to uh play against kobe in that 2008 yeah. olympics uh you know probably the highlight of my career playing against guys like himself and lebron james people who you just kind of put up on that pedestal and you know i guess one of the stories i i remember before the olympics opening ceremonies all the athletes are kind of in one stadium and and we got a chance to kind of you're just waiting to get called out and in in the chinese alphabet australia is actually almost last so mm. we kind of were the last one to get called out so we're walking around and there's Kobe Bryant and he's you know just a big smile on his face excited to be in the Olympics and taking photos with anyone and everyone and uh 
you know, I was fortunate to get a, a, a photograph with him, but mm. just the way he, uh, he acted and, and, and then on the court, he was just a, a monster and, and, you know, just his competitive drive was, uh, you know, second to none. So, uh, you know, incredibly sad news and you know, something I'm still, still kind of struggling to mm. shake off it, the impact that it's had on me. And I know, you know, I wasn't even friends or that close to, yeah. to him. So I imagined, uh, everyone that it's, uh, it's affecting worldwide. The point you made about how how he looked ready to take on the next phase of his life in in a lot of ways I imagine during his whole playing career that he never he never let himself probably relax for a second he had just had that unbelievable drive where everything he did for t- the 20 years of his career was based around being the absolute best basketball player that he that he could be he, and he just had that tunnel tunnel vision but if you have a look at him over the last three years since he retired he just looked like he was in such a happy and relaxed place he looked like it looked like his life focus was to be the best dad that he could be which it probably makes this all the more heartbreaking where I think you're in a great position to be able to to judge this because as a player in the NBL I never saw somebody as professional or focused on their basketball as as you were but then I've now now you know kept kept get knowing you in the couple of years since you've been retired and you seem like you're in a great place ready for that next phase of your life as well as I mean there's so many heartbreaking you know facets of this but the fact that he was so dedicated to now living in the next phase of his life is that does that you know does that just make it even even more devastating in in some ways yeah, I think I think it, it does. It just you just knew that he whatever he put his mind to, he was gonna make make it successful, and not only successful, but just uh, just having a massive impact. And I'm sure there, you know, he had a lot of projects that he he was in the works. And I know I remember seeing an interview he did right after he retired, and they they were asking him, "Oh, you know, you're gonna relax?" And he was like. No, I was I was up at five a.m. going to work out. I was still, you know, he's he's like I still got to have my habits. I still got to have my drive. He's like it's just a, it's just concentrated in a different area now. Yeah. And uh, you know, and just his the way he looked, he he still looked like he could play in the yeah, NBA. He's forty one. Sure. I mean, you look at Vince Carter; he was forty three. Yeah. Um, I think Kobe just probably had a few more injuries throughout his career. Probably didn't allow him to play a little bit later. And I think he just kind of had done everything he he wanted to do in basketball at that point. It was probably the the right time for him to, to step away and you know I think that the Lakers did a, a tremendous job when he did step away and, and their recognition of him and he got that year long kind of tour yeah. where you know everyone got to say the impact that he had and and you look at him and you know I think people regard him probably as a top five player that ever played a game mm-hmm. and and I think you know his competitiveness I don't think we've seen too many athletes with that competitiveness and draw that, that he had. And, and I think he's inspired a, a whole nother generation. Uh, you know, even, even my nine-year-old son is, is, is inspired by Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, it's hard news to take. And uh, I guess, you know, thoughts and, and prayers go out to, to his family and uh, especially his daughters and, yeah. and just knowing that, you know, they're not going to have a dad to, yeah. uh, to help. And especially one that cared so much for him and, and looked like he was enjoying being a dad. Yeah, well, you see some athletes that aren't fantastic, I guess, family people just because of the life that an athlete has to be. But he seemed like the, the total opposite. That that family looked like they were as close as they could get, which you know just makes makes this even more more hard to take. But 
it's hard to it's hard to know how to move on from it. But I guess you know people are here to hear us talk about the NBL and what's happening in the NBL right now. So we'll we'll try and move on. But yeah, hopefully everyone appreciates those those words to to start the show. And I'm sure everybody listening has their own memories of Kobe, which have now been been magnified by by what's happened this week. Um, before we get into the NBL, Sean. Last week you you took a, a Redditch basketball tour over to Bendigo to play in a in a tournament. First time you've been able to do that. Um, how did you go, and what sort of experience did all of the the kids have? Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, a lot of these kids, um, they're they're from uh, Mazinad College here up in, in Kalamunda. I've been doing some coaching up there, and, and wanted to take the kids over. It was a uh, it was an eye opener the level of play over there. Uh, you know, we played against Bendigo, which. They've got uh, one one of the uh, ex imports of the Bendigo Braves. Who actually, I played against. His son is now at the NBA Global Academy. He looks mm. like a little mini Ben Simmons, Dyson okay. Daniels. He's, he he was just incredible, and I think the the kids enjoyed playing against him and an improvement they saw over the, over the week and just the the bond that they had. It was it's one of those things you just go away on a weekend like that and you just see how powerful sports is and, and how it can bring a group of uh, kids together into a common goal and and just a leadership and and I guess it, it, it was. It, it just kind of reinvigorates you with with how important sport can be in in a child's life, and 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 so it was it was an awesome experience, and looking forward to uh, doing it again in the future. Fantastic! Now. We'll get into, we're recording this on Thursday, so last night's game that tipped off round 18 shortly with a big win for Melbourne United against the Perth Wildcats. But stay tuned for this episode as well. We've got a special guest. I caught up with Tom Abercrombie while he was in Perth last week, so had a terrific chat with him about about anything and everything, really. It was a, a really wide-ranging chat, somebody that you've got a, a long history with, Sean, so I'm sure you'll be be keen to hear, hear more from him later on. But let's get into last night's game. It was a, a crucial game in a lot of ways. Melbourne had to win to keep their finals hopes alive. In the end, I think it pretty much sews up top spot for the Sydney Kings with the Wildcats losing. Not a, it was a pretty ugly game, to be fair, with the roof open there at Melbourne Arena. The Wildcats just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't shoot the ball at all. Ended up going three of twenty from three-point range. You're not going to win too many games while doing that, especially while missing Damien Martin and Tariko White, and then Miles Plumley ending up in in foul trouble once again. Pretty, pretty hard done by in a lot of those calls. I, I would have thought as well. But important win for Melbourne, and as it turned out, a pretty important loss for Perth as well. What did, what did you make of it? Yeah, it wasn't a pretty pretty basketball game. Uh, you know, Wildcats couldn't buy a, a shot at the start of the game. And, uh, you, you know, I played in a couple of those open-air games, and it is a little bit different. Uh, the Wildcats, didn't even, I know they didn't even get a shoot-around mm. um, in, in the open-air. So it, it would have been uh, for guys like Clint Stondel and stuff who are taking a lot of threes, you almost have to kind of tweak your game plan a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you go to the the playgrounds and you don't see a whole lot of threes no, being taken. No, no. It's uh, it's get to the to the rack and and I think that's kind of got to had to have been the um, the game plan for the Wildcats. We know when they shoot well and they're capable of it. We've seen it in a few games here. Uh, I guess that Illawarra game more where they hit mm. 11 threes midway yeah. through the second quarter. It was just incredible shooting that they're almost unbeatable when they shoot like that. But when they go, you know, three for twenty from the three point line, they are beatable and melbourne and i didn't play good uh you know mellow trimble was, was off but they had enough firepower to, to get over the line and, and a huge win for melbourne they they needed that to stay in contention and, and get themselves a, a chance the thing that melbourne united has is they've got that 
that percentage. So they, they've yeah. got to get their record up, get a few more wins, but a huge win for Melbourne United. And they've got to be, be happy. Any, you take them any way you can get them. It was yeah. an ugly game, but credit Melbourne United. They found a way to win. You would think most of the time when you're playing against Melbourne United, if you can, if you can end up giving up a combined, what was it, 16 points, seven turnovers, and shooting four of 17 from the field from Sean Long and Mellow Trimble, that you'd beat them most most times. But I, I guess it was a combination of Melbourne getting some good contributors from elsewhere with with Golding and you know Luala Chul playing a good game. McCarran played pretty well. I guess they got good contributions from elsewhere, but also. Yeah, in the, at the end of the day, it just came down to Perth shooting it at the same time. It did, but Achul, he was awesome. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was he was the best player for Melbourne. He played really good against the Wildcats early in the season. Mm. Um, and I was at that game, and just that link that uh, Melbourne United has when they got Sean Long, a jewel, even even Pledger when he gets yeah. healthy, I think he could give give the Wildcats a little bit of problems if they do possibly end up meeting him in the finals because um, outside of of Plumley, you know, they don't have that long, tall, and just really affected the Wildcats. Uh, you know, their smaller foreman, Jesse Wagstaff, Reese Vague, couldn't really handle that size, and uh, it was a, it was a difference maker, especially when they're not hitting from outside. So I thought of Jewel, uh, you know, if you're Dean Vickerman, you got to be happy with the way he he produced, especially in that second half. It was it was it was an impressive performance. Now, as a result of that game last night, well, first of all, I'll ask you two quick questions. Do you still think Melbourne can make the playoffs? And do you, do you think they will from here? I've always said that I, I think Melbourne United will be in the finals. You know, they're they're sitting a game behind the Brisbane Bullet, and they play them on Saturday. Percentage wise, it's right there as well. It's not not much into it, no. and, uh, and and they still they they have to play each other yep. as well. So I think it's going to come down to that game, one game, almost kind of a play in game to get into the finals. So that's going to be an exciting one. And in terms of the Wildcats, now that they're two games behind the Sydney Kings and there's only three games left for both of them this season, do you think the Kings have got top spot racked up, especially considering that they finished the season playing against the two teams out of playoff contention officially, the Phoenix and the Hawks? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, the Sydney would have to lose one of those games against the Phoenix and Hawks and obviously against the Wildcats on, on Saturday. So... It's a uh, it's it's going to be an uphill battle for the Wildcats to get in. I think I think yeah I think it's going to be Kings one, Wildcats two, Cans three, and the way Brisbane's playing, you mm. expect them to be in the four. But you know I guess you can't really throw Melbourne United out just yeah. yet, especially with the talent that they have. Just quickly, I run through the rest of the results from last week. Thanks to Hoop Seven and and of course head to hoopseven.com.au for all of the basketball merchandise that you can can ever dream of and if you're in perth indeed go and check them out in person at 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 murray street as well um just last week's results quickly sean and then i'll get your thoughts on what stood out brisbane bullets took another step towards the playoffs 108 win over the southeast melbourne phoenix sydney kings probably did as you'd expect over the Illawarra hawks 102 to 79 and then the bullets again backed up in adelaide beating the 36ers 108 to 99 the Perth Wildcats beat the, the Breakers at RAC Arena 80 to 79. And then the Cairns Taipans held off the Phoenix in Melbourne 103 to 102. And then the Sydney Kings handed Melbourne United a, a pretty heavy loss, 106 to 88. Um, what stood out from, from those games that you were able to, to cast your eye over last week, Sean? Well, you're coming down to the business end of the season and probably all those games 
decided by the team that you, you probably thought would win. Yeah, um, so. so the teams that are uh, are ready to get into the finals, they're starting to make their run and starting to find their groove. You've obviously seen Brisbane on a tear at the moment. Um, they've just seemed to find their find their groove, but the other teams are starting to uh, whittle away. And, and, and to me, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix is the interesting one, how, mm. how, how much they've fallen from that great start they had. It's been uh, interesting. You know, they've got a, a lot of great players, but, uh, you know, I think teams are starting to figure them out a little bit and have yeah. been able to make those adjustments. So it's a, uh, you just think that, uh, you know, things are going to uh, play out. And then for your teams, you know, Sydney Kings, they got to try and get their, their people healthy. Mm. And uh, I think the rest of the teams just got to try and find that groove. And obviously the Wildcats, I think Trico White sat out there. So they're going to have to try and get him. He's, he's a huge piece. We saw that in the NBA for NBL finals last year, how important he was to uh, the Wildcats championship run. Just on the Kings quickly, um, Deshaun Taylor's now starting to play a really important role. I asked you a couple of weeks ago and you were pretty adamant that you would still bring Kevin Lish back just because we know how good he is, but we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season now and he's starting to run out of time. Would you still bring Kev back even if it, it is just for the for the playoffs or are you starting to head head in the direction that you would back in Deshaun Taylor to, to get the job done? Well, look, if Kevin Lish is healthy, I'm, I'm putting him in every mm-hmm. day of the week. But it, yeah, that to me, it comes down to that. Is, yeah. is he going to be healthy? Yeah. Has he played enough games? to get in as well. I'm sure he's got to come back and still play a few more games because he got injured pretty early. Do do you still qualify if you're injured? I'm not sure what the rules are. I still got to be, yeah, I'd have to get that clarified. But um, I know sometimes they do make some, uh, as long as they've been on the roster, they do make some concessions there. He's only played four uh, games. You you would think you'd want to get him a game or two before the playoffs begin. So... It's a, uh, you know, he's probably, if he doesn't play this week, he, you, you'd expect him to play next week. Um, but there's been no word out of Sydney Kings when or if he'll be back. So mm. we'll, uh, I guess we'll, we'll wait. The NBL's not great at updating you on those <laughs> those injuries and, and how that's all going to play out. Now, we saw the New Zealand Breakers in, in Perth last week, and I thought they played a, a really good game. It, it, for a lot of it, it felt like the Wildcats were in control of the game but the breakers just wouldn't go away and then and then come the final play they had a chance they they turned the ball over and, and you know they they had a bit of a, a malfunction in terms of the players that they had substituted out because they didn't expect to have the ball back yet and then also they just just didn't take a shot when they they should have and you know Finn Delaney was probably the, the culprit there who should have tried to to win the game for them instead of passing it but they played it they played really well and they've been playing playing really good basketball ever since really Scott Scotty Hobson came back and they've got Rob Lowe back and they've got Finn Delaney back and you know, Sec Henry's playing well. Jared Weeks is playing well. We've talked about them before. How they're playing great basketball right now. Are they the? I think they're going to run out of out of time to qualify for the playoffs. But is that a shame in some way? Because they're probably among the top four teams in the competition in terms of how good they're playing right now. Yeah, over the definitely over the last probably five six weeks, they've they've been outstanding. Been able to find their groove, and you know, it seems like everyone's just kind of settled in their role a little yeah. bit more than than in the past. You know, it, it's interesting that they would lose talented players like Corey Webster and and, and the others, and and still be able to uh, to find a way to win. But mm. credit to them, you know, having that a new coach as well. Sometimes it takes a little time to learn the system, learn how to how to gel, and and you know, I think that they're you know they're definitely a team you don't want to meet at the moment the way they're playing and uh it'll be interesting to see what they do with their roster after this season as well because they are starting to play you know do you kind of 
try and build on that momentum you've got this year mm. or do you kind of go back to the drawing board i'll be interested to see what they decide to do after this after this season as well well i'd be tempted to keep the group together especially given they've had a whole new coaching staff come in with a whole new philosophy and game style and it's starting to click now and i'd be i'd be willing to back them in to bring the majority of these players back i think they've got their imports probably spot on as well. Sec Henry, when he's healthy, he's a, a really good good, good partner to Scotty Hobson. And and when Brandon Ashley stays, stays out of foul trouble, he's a he's a very handy big as well. So I'm not sure they need to change too much. Corey Webster has agreed to come back, but whether or not they they want him to come back is probably another matter. It's something they'll work out in the off-season. But to me, if they can keep this squad together for a whole season, they, they're well and truly a championship contender this season if they had have stayed healthy. Yeah, maybe the one might be Brandon Ashley. I mean, he does tend to get in foul trouble. They're not starting him a lot of games, so yeah. might be one that you might might look. But you know, Rob Lowe, I, I like what he brings. Yeah, and uh, and the others, obviously Thomas Abercrombie, he's a, he's a mainstay there, and Finn Delaney starting to really step up his game. So. It's uh, you know, these guys are getting these opportunities and they're really making the most of it. Well, it's a good segue. I caught up with Tom Abercrombie last week. He's a he's a player that you spent a lot of your career playing against. You saw him celebrate championships at your expense a couple of times, and you matched up on him a lot of times. He he had that that's that sneaky length and sneaky hops that he still got at this point in his career. You you had a lot of battles with him over the years, Sean. Um, he he, I'll have a I'll have a quick chat to to him about you as well in the chat to come. But what springs to mind when you think of your years of playing against against Tom? Oh look, Thomas. He was just—he was so good in a number of areas, and I think he really improved. You know, when he came into the league, he—he he had that quick first step and could get to the rack pretty quickly, and obviously had some outstanding athleticism. But then he made himself into a basketball player, mm-hmm. I thought, and really improved his three-point shooting. Found his niche. You know, he's a better rebounding defender than than people gave him, and just had great timing. Mm. I mean, there was times where when he was in the paint. You know, he was he was almost like a center back there, just protecting the rim. And you know, I still have nightmares from a block he he had against us um, when we were making a run in that grand final. Um, and he came out of nowhere and blocked my layup, I think, which kind of sealed the win mm. for them. So uh, you know, he just made game winning plays and, and a guy that uh, yeah, a tremendous amount of respect for for the way he went about it and you know all the championships he's won. And he was integral in that uh, that team that that New Zealand breakers put together that went on their, their winning streak as well. So credit to him. And I, you know, I still think he's got a, a number of years to play in the NBL and, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll be an all time breakers. Great hope. I hope he for breakers sake and, and his sake, he, he finished his career there in New Zealand, which, uh, which I think would be the right thing. Yeah. And it looks like he will. He's re-signed for another couple of seasons now, and he's already played 327 games for the breakers. He's a four time championship winner, grand final MVP from 2011. And he's already the, the all time scorer for the breakers he's made the most field goals and you would think by the end of his career he would have also hit the most three-pointers and and blocked the most shots as well and probably not quite chased down Mika Vakona in terms of rebounding but he's he's second in that category as well so he's had an amazing career um he was very generous generous with his time to catch up with me so let's have a listen to my to my chat with Tom Abercrombie now Tom Abercrombie thanks very much for joining me um as we talked about before we started recording I've I've watched your whole career. I've written about your whole career, and I thought 
while you're here in Perth, I'll take the chance to catch up with you. So thanks for making the time for me. Coming to Perth, is it always mixed feelings for you? You've had some great memories here. You've celebrated a championship here. You've had some great wins here. You know, Cedric Jackson's three-quarter court bomb sort of springs to mind. But you've also had some disappointing moments too where you've lost a championship in Perth as well. What's the feeling every time you come back to Perth? Um, oh, it's, it's always fun coming over here because... I know it's going to be an awesome atmosphere at the games and things. It's always a, a great event and um, obviously the Breakers and the Wildcats have had some, some great memories over the years that I've been part of. So, no, I enjoy coming over here. It's obviously a, um, a heck of a, of a trip for us New Zealanders. It's, um, it's the longest trip and things like that. So, yeah, there's a few other things that come along with uh, coming to Perth, but it just makes it, I guess, all, all the much better when you can get a win over here. You really do feel like you've um, accomplished a whole lot. There's always, the whole time I've been in the league, they've been the benchmark, so it's always nice to come over here and measure yourself and see where you stand. Yeah, that Perth home cooking is, is famous, and you've been on the receiving end of that quite a bit throughout your career, but... That first season where the new arena was open and you came into town and against all odds won the championship, every championship obviously is a highlight, but to do it on the road in Perth, how much of a highlight of your career now when you look back on it is that? Yeah, it's funny because I think there's not many guys now who have played at the old Perth arena and yeah. played at the new one and actually coming and playing at the new one was a bit of a breath of fresh air for yeah. the um, road players because it wasn't as hostile as an, yeah. as an environment as the old place and yeah, the crowd is still loud and, and huge, but because the stadium's so much bigger, it doesn't quite feel like they're on top of you. It doesn't feel as intimidating, does no, it? No, no. The old the old spot was um was crazy. Like that, that was a crazy place to play and coming and playing it and um the new stadium was um, like I said, was was not quite as um intimidating but still a an amazing place to come and play. But uh, yeah, winning that, that championship over here was, was awesome. I think those those first three years that we won them in a row, like they were all different. We won our first one at home and it was amazing. And then I'm not sure if the second year was over here or the third year, but you know, we won one over here. We won one at um, the first time we went and played at Spark. You know, three totally different experiences and certainly winning over in Perth was um, a really cool one as well. To, to win a championship on the road is something really different. So no, I hold good memories of that. Speaking of that old Challenge Stadium, I think... Almost the loudest I'd ever heard it was when Sean Redditch had that block to win the game on on CJ Bruden. I think it was game two of that grand final series. You went home and, and won it the, the next the next game. Speaking of Sean, you spent a lot of your career playing against him. And as I've told you, he's my co-host on this podcast. When you reflect back on those days playing against Sean for those many years, where I think it's fair to say he was probably public enemy number one for, for New Zealand every time we went over there. What springs to mind when you think of Sean? G'day, Sean. Um, no, I mean, Sean was a... He's a heck of a player, and um, I just remember he's one of those guys you always got, you know, really frustrated with because he was really, really good. Um, he always made big shots for them and big plays. Like you said, that, that block he made over there was um, was massive. Guy who I think you know most guys who have played against him hated play against him because he was, um, you know, just that kind of player. He got under your skin a little bit and probably took a lot of pride in doing so, um, which is great. You know, you want guys like that on your team and guys that other teams hate playing against, but you love playing with, uh, you know, some of the best players and teammates that you can have. I mean, Dylan Boucher is another prime example who I played with at New Zealand who is, um, probably fits that mould as well. So, yeah, no, great memories of playing against Sean. Moving on to what's happening currently, this has been 
probably the most remarkable season in terms of fluctuations that you've been part of at the Breakers. But right now you're on an, on an upswing. And it, it's remarkable that you've been able to turn around because I think if you go back six weeks, I think a lot of people probably thought your season was over. And all of a sudden, you're still fighting for your playoff lives and, and you're playing fantastic basketball. You're playing exciting basketball, but winning basketball. What have you been able to do, apart from the obvious, but getting healthy and getting Scotty back, what have you been able to do to be playing the basketball that you are right now? Um, look, I think... This season's had so many things going on for us on and off the court. It's um, it's taken us a while to to find our feet and find our level of comfort, I guess, um, with the new coach and a new system and things as well. Um, you know, it's taken a while for, for everything to click, and um, I think guys are really settled in their roles and, and, and things now and very comfortable in how they contribute to our team and, and things. And you know, to be honest, all the outside noise and talk about everything has sort of passed over the heads of I think most of us as players um, we just put our heads down and all you can really do as a player is you go in and keep working hard and keep chipping away and hope that um, things will turn around and try not to focus on things that don't need your energy um, that's what we've done as a group and I think you know we're at a place now where uh, nothing can really phase us um, you know, we feel very strong with um, you know what we've built and we're on a good little run at the moment hopefully we can keep it going we don't need to go into the negative things that happened but did you get a feeling that it always perhaps looked worse to the outside than it was in the in the inside did you always feel like things were actually okay inside the club and perhaps the way people were portraying it outside was making it look worse than it actually was yeah it's always the case I think media loves a negative story it sells papers and makes headlines it's, it's what they love to do so anytime there's a sniff of something um, bad going on they're, they're gonna they're gonna chuck an article up about that they're, they're not gonna write about the good stuff all the time because it's boring for people to, to read about as sad as it is so you know, I, I honestly don't read anything about us and I don't read the news or anything like that so um, yeah, it's easy for me to, to just carry on with day to day and just focus on what we're doing but uh, yeah it's I think different guys take it in different ways and you just have to trust that you have a strong foundation there and I think we've shown through all of this that, that we did and we do I feel like we've got good people in place to, to take us through times of adversity and that's not to say there's not going to be more but I think um, what has happened has helped build us and shape us into the team that we are now. It seemed to me when you were going through some tough times, that's when you, you re-signed with the club. How much of a show of faith was that from you that no matter what some of that outside noise was saying, that you still thought the club was heading in the right direction and that you wanted to remain a breaker for life and this is where you wanted to finish your career? Yeah, I mean, it's always always been a dream of mine to to be a one-club guy and be a breaker for life. And you know, when the club approached me about re-signing, it was a you know, no-brainer for me. And um, this is where I want to be. I want to be part of helping build up uh, the club again. Um, it's you know, A lot of people talk to me about getting the breakers back to where they were. It's not about that um, because it is a, it's a completely new organisation essentially now. It's not about making the breakers what they were it's about you know, making speci- something special with what we have now and um, totally committed to that obviously and um, you know uh, it's a club that means so much to me and it's my, my hometown team and I have some really special memories here and I want to make some more obviously this will go to air after you've played the game in Perth so no matter that result are you pretty confident no matter how that goes you can still make the playoffs and You'd have to say, if you end up in the playoffs, you'd be able to give it a hell of a shake the way you're playing right now. Oh, we, we certainly feel extremely confident that we, um, we're capable of beating anyone. Um, 
and uh, like any any player will say, you don't get too far ahead of yourselves, and we've got a, a long way to go um, before then. And all we can do is try and keep winning basketball games, and hopefully uh, everyone's listening to this now. And we've, we've beaten the Wildcats tonight, but you know we've had a, a really good week last week, uh, beating Sydney and Melbourne, two teams who in the top four and um, you know, Melbourne, a team like us, fighting for that last spot. So, uh, you know, it's good. This is the time of year you, you want to be in the hunt and you want to be um, playing your best basketball. Uh, we're doing both, so hopefully we can keep it going and fight for, fight for a playoff spot. We all heard coming to the season that Corey Williams told us how good Scotty Hobson could be, and then we didn't quite see the best of him early on, then he got injured, but... Now he's showing that had he played the whole season, he could be an MVP-type type player. From the moment he arrived, did you always see in him that he could be potentially the best player in the league and, and he's now starting to, to show us all what he's capable of? Day one, seriously, day one in practice, I knew that this guy was, was special. He can really do, do everything on the court, fill so many roles for us, and he, he's just been fantastic. And he, he's an amazing player off the court as well in, in terms of... I think he just he fits our team really well with the... Um, the confidence and things that he brings, it's infectious to the other guys. Um, we certainly look to him to um, lead us in the court and he's been doing a fantastic job. And like everyone else in this team, it takes a little while to find your role and feel completely comfortable in that. But I think you know, he understands uh, and we all know that you know, he's the man for us and, and we look to him to, to really carry us out in the court and he's been doing a great job. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the Cairns three imports as the best import trio in the league, but I would think that when you've got Scotty, you've got second, you've got Brandon Ashley, uh, I would think you would back those three against any other import trio in the league as well. I know Brandon's struggled with foul trouble, but when he's uh, allowed to play, he's as good as anybody in terms of the bigs in the league. We've seen what Sec can do now when he's healthy as well, and his combination with Scotty is fantastic. They seem to have a great chemistry already. I would think you'd back your import trio against anybody's. Yeah, for sure. Of course, uh, I'd back my guys, and um, like you said, BA can stay on the court. He's um, he's a heck of a versatile big man. Um, gives us a, a lot of options, as does Sec and, and Scotty, I think, especially at the defensive end. We know what they're capable of offensively, but... You know, defensively, those guys have been been really good in the last month or so as well. It allows us to switch a lot of stuff, and you know, we back BA to be able to guard some of these little point guards and things in isolation situations and stuff. And you know, all three of those guys, I think, again, you know, found their roles in this team and very comfortable with what they're doing. And you know, Six been a little bit unlucky recently with some injuries and illness and things like that. And hopefully, we can get him back feeling 100% really soon because when all three of those guys are clicking, um, you know, we're very tough to be. How important also has getting Finn Delaney and Rob Lowe back, not only getting them back, but getting them back to full health and now they're both playing the, their best best basketball of their career. How important have those two been? Yep, those two have been um, awesome as well. I think uh, you know, Finn especially was very frustrated at the start of the, the season with his injury and um, Rob's was just a, a freak situation that you can't do anything about. But um, you know, those guys are you know, playing with a lot of confidence and um, you know, Finn especially I think is coming to his own and um, having a really breakout year and um, he, he's really enjoying I think playing within Dan's system and he's been doing a lot of stuff with Modi, our assistant coach and um, working really hard in his game and I think it's starting to show he's playing with confidence and I think Rob's just a guy who knows his game very well, he doesn't try and be or do anything that he's not um, and you know, really smart player who, who fits in again really well with um, what we want to do systematically on the court I wanted to ask you about Dan and, and Modi as well 
you've spent pretty much your whole career playing under Andre and, and, and Dino, who are probably very similar in a lot of ways, and you had a lot of success under, under both of them, and they're both great coaches. But what's it been like to now play in a completely different system? You've got a coach coming over from, well, a director of basketball coming over from, from, from Israel who's got a totally different look at the game, he's got a totally different culture behind him. And I guess like the breakers always have, you, you play a different style of game to what the rest of the league is. What's what, what's been different this year under a totally new coaching structure? Um, yeah, I think Dan and Modi obviously come from a, a heavy European um, background and, and certainly a lot of the stuff that we are doing and trying to do is based on European basketball in a sense while still being able to utilise some of the strengths and instincts, I guess, that, that we've built up playing basketball on this side of the world. and. Um, and they've done a good job as the season sort of progressed of, of finding that balance between the two and I think um, as the season's gone on we, we've certainly um, all started to click and understand um, their sort of vision and, and things a little bit more and yeah, a lot of it is is predicated on, on good spacing and, and good decision making and a lot of people think oh you know it's very structured basketball and, and stuff and whilst there is you know some structure there um, and there's certain non-negotiables in terms of um, the way we want to play and, and space and accord and things. There's a lot of freedom within that, uh, and I think we've started to see that once we've sort of grasped that um, structural component of it um, and the style, uh, we've started to see that the confidence and the freedom come out in, in how we play within that. Um, and uh, for me, for one, I've absolutely loved playing the system. I think it suits my my game really well and, and really. It simplifies things for you at the end of the day, really, um, and yeah, it relies on, on quick decision making and, and good decisions. Um, but I think for someone like me, it's really suited my game. The breakers as a whole, how are you? How, how do you feel perceived back home? Are you? Do you feel like you have the whole country behind you, or do you feel like it's just Auckland that gets behind you? Or over the last ten years, what's what's changed in the way the breakers have been perceived? I guess by the New Zealand public that you've you've noticed. Um, I think we're definitely New Zealand's team and um, being able to travel to the different parts of New Zealand now and play regular season games has, has helped that and, and you know, we, we pretty much sell out whenever we go to one of the regions and you know, we played Sydney down in um, New Plymouth last week and it was an awesome, awesome game, like absolutely packed crowd down there and they're fantastic and they love the breakers so you know, I certainly feel like we're um, well loved and respected throughout New Zealand which is good, that's what we want. Uh, we, uh, for better or the worse, we're, we're New Zealand's only team in the NBL, and I don't think that's going to change anytime yeah. soon. Um, so, yeah, the more that we can do to to take basketball and the breakers throughout the whole country, I think is is a good thing. Um, it, it can't hurt us. And you know, whilst some of our home games might not feel like home games mm. sometimes in, in terms of travel and things like that, uh, I think it's all worth it at the end of the day. Talking about Perth's move from Challenge to the the, the Perth Arena as well, but. There were times back, you know, 10 years ago when you'd play at North Shore and you'd struggle to half-fill that, that gym, but now you're playing at Spark Arena and, and getting eight, 9,000 people there every night. The, the growth in basketball over the last 10 years has been massive. Yeah, it has, and uh, this year especially, I mean, uh, RJ certainly helped uh, in terms of our exposure and things in the off-season, but um, the crowds at Spark this year for us have been, have been phenomenal. Um, you know, awesome crowds, but they've been really into it as well and loud and a much more participating sort of crowd, and um, it makes a massive difference. You know, Perth sort of 
gotten onto that formula for years and, and their crowd helps them a huge amount in games. Um, and certainly our crowds at Spark this year have been, been awesome and um, you know, much different to what we might have played at back in the day at North Shore. Not that I didn't love playing at North Shore, yeah. that's where I grew up um, learning to play basketball and hopefully we can get back there one day and play a couple of games again. But um, yeah, no, love, loved our, all our home games this year. When you're at the breakers, do you feel do you feel like you're part of the NBL or do you feel like you're fighting against Australia? What's the feeling like when you're do you feel like you're almost neglected and sort of treated poorly at times by the league, or do you feel like you are treated the same as to the nine teams? What always been curious, what's the feeling like from from a breakers point of view? Oh definitely a bit of both. Um, and I think we you know, we've used Use that as motivation certainly at different times in the past as well it's a bit of an us against them mentality us against the world and it's never going to change we're, we're the one New Zealand team in an Australian competition and we don't feel like any of the Australians want a New Zealand team to, to win and that's great for us you know we, we certainly use that as as motivation and um, <clears throat> fuel to, to the fire and um, like I said that's that's never going to change. It's just a reality of the league at the moment, and um, I think it's great for us. For what it's worth, I've always enjoyed watching the Breakers play, and I've always enjoyed seeing you be able to, able to win. I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting the other the other side of you at the at the table, but maybe I'm in the minority on this this side of the of the Tasman. Um, what about little things like when you come to play in, this, in Australia, you stand for the national anthem, and you hear the Australian national anthem, and you're a New Zealand team, and doesn't really obviously reflect on on you is that a little thing that the league might be able to do better it seems like certainly in the NBA where they've only got one team in Canada but it seems like they do embrace Canada maybe a little bit better than what we do in Australia to New Zealand um oh yeah I haven't really thought about that too much um I used to standing for other teams national anthems playing with the national team and things like that so Um, the fact that we don't get the New Zealand national anthem every time, I don't think it's uh, a big deal. Um, not every team does the Australian national anthem here. It seems to be a personal preference sort of thing. Um, but so, look, I think you know, we're very grateful that um, we have a team that is able to play in the NBL. I think it's it's hugely important for New Zealand basketball to, to give kids something to aspire to and a pathway to play professionally because whilst the New Zealand NBL is, is great and it's um, I think a league that's on the improve it, it's it's nowhere near the standard of the NBL and um, you know, it's, it's, it's very important that there's a New Zealand team there for, for, for kids to watch and um, hopefully we'll be there for a long time. Before I let you go on the personal front I think you've had another recent addition to the to the family back home. I think that makes you a dad of three now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, must be a pretty hectic life when you when you do get back back home. It it certainly is. Um, three three young kids, uh, four and under now. Um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it changes your your perspective. And like I said before, all the stuff that happens um, at basketball, you you can go home and um, it becomes a little bit more irrelevant and uh, yeah it's made this, this season pretty hectic for sure but um, yeah you, you just uh, learn to deal with it as with everything else and um, very very lucky to have a wonderfully supportive family and, and wife who get stuck looking after all three of them while I'm away on the road and some of these long road trips have been um, pretty tough this year um, but it's always cool uh, the sort of oldest ones especially getting to an age where 
is starting to understand a little bit uh, about um, what Daddy does and can come to the games and yeah. come onto the court and things afterwards, which is pretty cool. So, no, nah, I'm very lucky. Is it challenging being on the road, being away from them? I imagine even on a road trip like this where you're away for three or four days, by the time you get home, when they're at that age, they've they probably changed a lot and you've probably missed a fair bit. Yeah, no, it is it is um, tricky and the national team trips are probably more tough when you're away for a, for a month or, or something like that. Um, but even, you know, two days on the road. Like I said, I probably feel more bad for, for my wife leaving her at home, um, having to deal with all of them at once. It's, uh, it's a bit tricky. I, I get to come on the road and have a sleep in and um, recharge the battery, so to speak. But no, you, you miss them and it's funny, like, stuck at home for a week and kids can drive you crazy and you might look forward to getting on the road but three hours into the trip you're, you're missing them already and ready to get home. Finally you mentioned the national team there and you've been a, a great servant of the Tall Blacks as well as the Breakers. How proud are you that all of your basketball pretty much has been played as a New Zealander whether it's representing your country as the Tall Blacks or representing the country as the Breakers which I guess you do as well. How proud are you that you've been able to do that for, for your whole career and now that you've re-signed you're going to be able to continue to do that? Yeah no it's something um I look back on and be very, very proud of um, the fact that I've been able to represent the Breakers uh, for my, my whole career and the Tall Blacks as well. You know, New Zealand's a country that's uh, very special to me, obviously, and I um, hope that I've, I've done them all proud throughout my career. Certainly part of you that thinks uh, what, what could have been if you know, I'd gone to Europe and really given that a, a good shot earlier in, in my career, but um, yeah, I have no regrets about the decisions I've made and the career that I've, I've had at the Breakers and, and with the Tall Blacks. I, I think um, uh, I've made a lot of fantastic memories and, and great friends and very proud of um, what I've achieved and hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, and like I said at the start, it's been a real privilege of mine to see your whole career. It's been a privilege to write about your career and talk about your career and to talk to you on the limited times I've been able to, but now to sit down with you and have a chat, it's something I really appreciate and hopefully we can do it plenty more, but all the best for the rest of the season and thanks for taking the time out. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Okay, thanks very much to Tom Abercrombie for that chat and hopefully you all enjoyed some insight into into a Breakers legend and we don't always get to hear the Breakers side of things over this side. You know, we don't always hear from a Breakers point of view, so hopefully you all enjoyed enjoyed that chat. Thanks to ID Athletic for bringing it to us for all of your basketball apparel needs. Just head to idathletic.com and they'll more than take care of your needs as well and I know that they've helped you out a lot at Redditch Basketball as well, Sean, so you'll highly recommend them. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the uniforms we used over there playing over east in the Bendigo class uh, had a lot of uh, good feedback from that. So the, the boys love, love playing and the uh, yeah, ID Athletic took care of us. They did a great job. Very good. Couldn't get couldn't get any higher recommendation than that. So head to idathletic.com and they'll look after you there. Let's keep moving, Sean. Indigenous round. For the first time ever, the NBL has had a is going to have a full Indigenous round this this weekend. We've already seen the uniforms worn by the Wildcats and Melbourne United in that game on Wednesday night. They they look tremendous. There's a lot going around around the games as well to celebrate the Indigenous culture and and heritage. Do you feel like it's just something that had been a matter of time before it would happen? And it's a it's a, a really strong initiative from the NBL to to make it a a I guess a league league wide thing more so than just the the start of it, which which happened in Wollongong last year. Yeah, I think so. I really, I really like how they're each, each, you know, team uniform has a story behind it. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, just watching the game last night and they're telling us the story behind Melbourne and, and I read up on the story behind the Wildcats one this, this week as well. So I think it's a really cool idea. And I think, you know, it's a fantastic initiative and just to see, you know, a lot of the, the funds that are raised from, from the indigenous round are going back into, you know, getting more indigenous players playing basketball. And we see how important, you know, guys like Patty Mills and Nate JY and that are able to, uh, mm. to, to come from that indigenous background and, and make it in the NBL and make it in the basketball worldwide and just how, uh, important figure they are to their community. So it's, uh, I think it, it's, it's awesome that the NBL is, is back in it. And, uh, I'm excited to see where, how it's going to grow through the years but some of the jerseys uh, i really like as well i guess my favorite probably at the moment is the adelaide one that white one it, it looks yeah. looks fantastic so but there's some pretty cool jerseys out there as well yeah i i agree couldn't agree more so look forward to seeing them all out on the court this weekend speaking of that let's have a look at the rest of round 18 which gets underway with the doubleheader on friday night and we'll do this preview thanks to devlin's and you can check them out at devlin's online .com.au or head, head to their store in Subiaco and especially coming up close to Valentine's Day now if you need to get a gift for, for the man in your life and, and, and get him something special then there's no better place than, than Devlin so so head along there and Simon Devlin and his team will take care of you now let's have a look at these games on Friday Sean starting with New Zealand Breakers and the Adelaide 36ers at Spark Arena if, if both these teams aren't out of the running for the finals already whoever loses this game certainly is so it's a must-win game for for both of them. Yeah, it's a knockout one. You got to yep. think that New Zealand Breakers. <laughs> I've been picking against them every week, and mm. I think <laughs> they come through and get a win. So I don't know if I, I learned my lesson, but I'm going to go with the Breakers on this yep. one. I think Adelaide's been a little bit too up and down, but I think it's also going to be a close one. Both those teams are basically they're at the knockout stage now. So whoever yep. loses, you're right, is is pretty much done. Now the second game on Friday, Cairns Taipans hosting the Illawarra Hawks now. Just looking at them on paper, you would suggest that it's a, an easy win for the Taipans given the form they're in and given at 14 and 10, they probably only need to win one more game to guarantee um, a playoff spot. They probably need to win two of their last four, I would think, to guarantee second spot. And then the, the Hawks have lost six in a row now and they've only won five games for the season. But then you look a bit more into it and the three of those five wins for the Hawks have come against the Taipans. It's been a long time since Kansas actually beaten Illawarra, so it might not be the the, the lay-down win that the Taipans might be hoping for, but it's a game that they can't afford to, to drop. No, you're right. They're still searching for that second spot. I mean, the Wildcats have to play Sydney, and uh, no, if the right, yeah. Cairns fans can can win a few, the Wildcats kind of have a tough schedule um, to finish off. Even though they're at home, they've got some tough games um, coming yeah, up. So you can't just give them top two spot yet. And the way Kansas yep. is playing, I guess playing against Illawarra, and something we haven't talked about this week as well is the word that LaMelo Ball has gone back to the U.S., um, mm. So he's no longer there. We knew he wasn't going to play, but uh, I guess it's, it's disappointing in some ways that he didn't leave it. You know, the word out of Illawarra is they didn't even know he was gone, that he just kind of got up and mm. left and didn't, didn't tell the coaches or the players, which is disappointing the way that he's kind of fitted into the community and the team there as well. And, and I guess what Illawarra was able to do, you know, they gave him the reins of that team. And although yep. Yep. probably sacrificed maybe some losses, the exposure he gave them, uh, uh, 
you know, I guess it's it, it, to me leaves a little bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth the way it did finish. I would have liked to see him just stay there for his teammate till the end of the year. He could still do his rehab. And we're yeah. only talking a few more weeks as well. But, yeah. you know, that that's the decision he's made. But I think Cairns Taipans do beat Illawarra Hawks uh, quite comfortably in this one. Yeah, you would think so. And I guess even if he doesn't stay for the last three weeks, you can understand that. But to leave without even saying goodbye, that that is that's pretty disappointing. So for all the good things he's done, he left on a on a bad note. But that, that, that's hoping in in the long run he can can somehow make up for that for that down the line and and, and give something back to the to the Hawks at some point. Now on Saturday, two more huge games: Brisbane Bullets, Melbourne United. This is almost a knockout game as well. Really hard to see the Bullets not making the top four if they win this game. And suddenly, if Melbourne win this game, then they're locked on the the same record, and it's a it's a dogfight for the last two weeks. So this is a huge game in Brisbane. No bigger game on the NBL schedule, I don't think, than the that mm-hmm. right there. Um, not for everyone. I think that that's a yeah. that's that's what and that's what you want in the league. You want it to come down to a game or two, fighting for that playoff spot. Uh, you, let's hope for Brisbane's sake and for the league's sake that the crowd really gets into that and they, they sell out in Brisbane and, you, you know, they can get, get the fans that I think that team deserves in the way they've been playing the last few weeks as well. So I think Brisbane gets that one, but uh, it's going to be a tough one. I think Melbourne having to play on, on Wednesday night against the Wildcats, but they also didn't play very well. And so maybe mm. sometimes if you, you're not going to have those two poor performances, and I expect Melo Trimble and Sean Long to have a much better performance as well. Then we've got Perth Wildcats and the Sydney Kings. After the Wildcats loss, it's not quite a battle for top spot now that the Kings have got a bit of a gap. But as you pointed out, and I actually hadn't thought of it this way, the Wildcats do need to keep winning to, to stay in second. So it's still a big game for the Wildcats. And for the Kings, they, they just want to build their chemistry at this point. They still haven't got their best team out on the court and and you want to you want to be able to still take some winning form into the playoffs so given they got thumped last time they came to Perth they would want to put in a much better performance this time too yeah I think they will you know if you're Will Weaver you're you're saying we need to build for the playoffs now we need to build for the finals and make sure we're playing at the right level and learn how to play in a tough environment as well because that's what it's going to be come finals time and they don't have a not too many more opportunities where they're, they're playing on a road in, in a tough environment so a great lead up for them going into the finals if you're the Wildcats if you don't think you can get top two spot or top spots, I should say. What do you do with Tariko White there? We, we mm. Obviously, probably Damian Martin's not ready to play if he didn't play on Wednesday. We know he's out of the boot. But, you know, do you hold Tariko White out of this one and, and see how it goes? Or or was was the Tariko White thing just a precautionary thing and they're going to play him on Saturday? I, I don't know how they play it. But I think with the Wildcats being at home, I think they will get this one. It would be interested to see how the City Kings played as well. They've been trying to rest up Bogut. Um, it's a long mm. flight. Is he going to come over to how many minutes will he, he play? So trip, yeah. There's a few different storylines going into that one, but the Wildcats, you're right, they don't want to drop down to that third spot either. Did you tip? I'm going to go with the Wildcats at home. Okay. Then on Sunday, another doubleheader. It starts in Wollongong. Illawarra Hawks hosting the New Zealand Breakers. This could be a dead rubber if the Breakers have lost on Friday night or the breakers might need to keep keep winning this one to to keep any sort of slim hope alive that that they've got. What do you think? Oh, I think New Zealand Breakers is the way they've been playing. They look like they're they're gelling as a team, finding a way to to play under under their new coach. And you know, I think for them, you know, they're not out of the they're they're 
things could happen. They could get in the finals, but I think that they're. I think if they uh, win their last four, they could still sneak in. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They've uh, they've got a win that's going to be going to be tough to do, but they do have a you know game at home and against the Illawarra Hawks on on the weekend. They, they've got their chances. Then lastly, similar situation. Adelaide Thirty Six is hosting the the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in Adelaide. If Adelaide have lost on on Friday, then this becomes a, a dead rubber as well. If Adelaide have won in New Zealand on Friday, then suddenly they have everything to play for. Always interesting when Mitch Creek goes back to Adelaide as well, so there's that little extra bit of a storyline. What are you expecting from this one? Yeah, I think Adelaide, uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have just been off the mark probably the last month and a half of the season, and they uh, they haven't been able to find that groove as, as well as Dane Pinnell's been playing and, and some mm-hmm. outstanding performances by Roberson. <laughs> let's let's not forget that Rober- Southeast Melbourne Phoenix win against Cairns Taipans after being down, was it six with about 10 seconds to 15 go. 15 seconds Does to go. Does that come yep, back and yep. hurt the Taipans? Um, potentially, could still, yeah. they could be 15 and 9 and only half a game out of second place as well. You know, there's, there's those little things that you go and look back on on the season where they could potentially have home court advantage first round of finals. So those things uh, always intrigue me, but I expect Adelaide well, 36 that in at Plus home. the fact that Cairns have lost three times to the Hawks. So that's four games that they've thrown away almost. So they could they could be in first. <laughs> yeah, could be. They, they win the, yeah. those games that were all winnable. So interesting to, to go back and look at. But I expect Adelaide to get that one at home. Okay. We'll, we'll watch on with fascination to see how that all plays out over the next three days. Thanks to Devlins at devlinsonline.com.au for making that all happen. And, of course, thanks to ID Athletic for bringing us the Tom Abercrombie interview and for making this show possible, thanks to Hoop7 at hoop7.com.au. It's been a difficult week in the basketball and, I guess, the sporting world in general with with what what happened to Kobe Bryant and everybody else on that helicopter. But in terms of the NBL world, we're in a very exciting phase and and, and this weekend looks like it's set to, be, set to be a cracker. So we'll turn our attention back to the basketball and look forward to seeing what, what happens over the next three days. Thanks for joining us here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle once again. Sean Redditch, what can you leave us with? Well, I'm excited about that Brisbane Bullets Melbourne United game. Uh, you know, I'm marking that one on my calendar, and and uh, you know, just to go back on that Kobe thing, it, you know, it's had a huge impact on me. And and you just kind of look back, and you just never know. And I think just encourage everyone to to live their life to the fullest and make the most. You don't don't know when when you know everything, the opportunities that you're going to have, and make the most of it. And I think that's something we can all strive to do. It's something that Kobe did his entire life was getting the best out of himself. So I think hopefully it's inspiring people to, uh, to, to live the life to the, to the fullest. And, and, you know, I hope we can remember Kobe and he can inspire us for a long time. Bye, have a great time.